you are awesome. We thank you, God, that it's not by chance that every one of us are here. But God, we're here by divine appointment. God, we stepped into a place where our life starts, where new love happens inside of us and where purpose, God, is fulfilled and revealed in our lives. And God, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. We love you in Jesus' name. Shout amen. Come on, high five two people around you and say, man, you're looking good today. Looking good today. Looking good. Looking good. Looking good. I would like to begin by saying this. I think outside of praise and worship, I think the subject that I'm going to talk about today is one of my most favorite to speak about. And that is the house of God about church. Why is that? Because I have such a love and such a passion for the house of God. I I mean, I absolutely, I get excited every Saturday knowing that tomorrow is Sunday. I get excited through the week counting down the days that I can be in the house. I love to be in the house. Even when I'm on vacation, I love to find a church and I love to go. Why? Because I have a passion and a love for the house. Where's all my parents in the house? Wave at me if you're a parent. I just want to speak to you really quickly. Because I want to say this to you. Are you ready? Your kids will love what you love. Your kids will love what you love. I love the house for this reason. My parents loved the house. My parents didn't only love the house when it came to offering time and giving. And they sacrificially gave as a family. And the business that we were in as a family We contributed very heavily to our church where I grew up and we were great supporters of that church. And I saw my parents model that and show that to my sister and I. But they didn't just do it through their finances. They built the house through their time and their service, their energies. They were there early. They were there late. They did whatever it took to make God's house successful. And I'm glad for their example I said, I'm glad for their example. I'm glad for my mom and dad. 48 years they are celebrating of marriage this week. Come on, let's give it up for them. 48 years. And I'm going to step out on the limb, but I'm telling you, I believe this. If they weren't in the house, they maybe still wouldn't be in the same house. Because I'm telling you, the church changes everything. The church changes everything. Listen to the scripture, Exodus 25, 1 through 2 from the Amplified Bible. Read it earlier. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Tell the children of Israel to take an offering from me from every man whose heart moves him. In the Amplified version it says, Who gives willingly, you shall take my offering. Another translation said, All whose hearts prompted them they gave. And I love that. A willing, giving heart. And it reminds me of a passage in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7. And you can shout me down whenever you want, because this is good stuff. It says, remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. But a lavish planter gets a lavish crop. Hmm, I wonder which one I want. I want each one of you to take plenty of time. Paul says to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. Not forced to give, but out of a willing heart. Because he says that you will be protected against your sob stories and arm twisting. And here's what I love of this whole passage. Look what it says. God loves it when the giver delights in 
the giving. God loves it. When the giver comes with joy, come on, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. One translation says a hilarious, ha, 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 giver. Come on, I, I, we came today excited to be able to give, and God loves that. And I've got to read on because there's so much meat left on this bone. Look what verse 8 says. And God is able. God is able. I said God is able. God says in Malachi, you can test me when it comes to your finances. You can put me to the test. Why? Because God knows that he is able. And he says, I'm able to make all grace abounds towards you that you, come on, not your neighbor, you, God speaking to you right now, to your house, to your home, to your future, that you will always have all sufficiency in all things. Come on, right now, some of you are sitting back saying, man, I can't give because if I give, I can't have Starbucks this week. Come on, God says, I can make all sufficiency for everything that you need. God says, you can get coffee at 250 for the whole week. Just buy a bag of it and make it at home, amen? If you want fancy creamers, you can buy them too. You can buy them on bulk. You can buy a big thing that will last you probably six months for as much as one coffee at Starbucks will cost you. And God says that you may have an abundance for every good work. Come on, we've got to jump to verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower. Come on, he's the source. I said he's the source of everything that we have. He wants to give you bread for food. May that God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond, he says, may he not supply and multiply to you the seed that you have. That's the key. No seed in the ground, no harvest. The seed that you have sown and he will increase the fruits of your righteousness. In other words, as you give to God, God's going to change your life. God's going to make you right. God's going to change you because everything changes when you put God first in your life. And you may say, well, God's first. You know, one of the real tests of God's first, where's your money? Because we can say God's first, but are we giving him the tithe? Because that's one of the greatest ways. Tithing and giving is an act of faith. But it's one way that we can really prove God. And I love, I get excited when I hear about the supernatural blessings that are available to the giver. And it doesn't say to the taker. It doesn't say the supernatural blessing is to the taker, but it says it's for the giver. Today we honor the memory of Dr. Billy Graham, an incredible man of God. Countless millions of people led to Christ throughout the years. Our family personally affected. Come on, let's give it up in the house. Yes, 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 yes. I love the saying that's been going through social media. I'm going to kill it today. But he basically said these words. Hey, if you hear I'm dead, it's a lie because I'm never more alive than I have ever been. Because he's in heaven and he's living for God. But I came across a quote that I want to bring to you today that I think fits so well into the church. He says these words. I have never known a man who received Christ and ever regretted it. I've never received, I've seen a man who's ever come to the saving knowledge of Christ, given his or her life to Christ, that's looked back and said, man, what a silly mistake. Why ever did I do that? Never regretting it. 
And I believe that's the same with our giving. When we give to the house and we bring to God, when you bring and give God, you will never have a regret in your life. Because regret really speaks of the state of your heart. Because if you've got regret in your heart after you've given, that's because you haven't given from the right heart. And God wants us to give cheerfully and great. And here's what I've discovered. Are you ready? Many people love God, but they don't love His house. Many people love God. They long to be in relationship with God, but they don't love His house. We believe at this church, and this is why we open our doors each and every week, we believe that everyone needs a place to call home. Come on, we believe that everyone needs a place to call home. We're building a church here for everyone. We're not building an exclusive country club. We're not stopping people and saying, listen, if your car's not this age or if you're not wearing these clothes or you don't look a so you're not welcome. Come on, we're throwing our doors wide open and saying everyone is welcome in here. It reminds me of, of the story of a young man that he was working for a pastor and this pastor lived in the rural countryside in England. He had a beautiful house right in the countryside and they were having a big party and there wasn't space and place for them to park people on his property. So he arranged just down the street or just down the road for a farmer to borrow his field. And what they were doing, they were were parking people in the field and people were able just to walk up the street a little bit and they were able to go to the party. So they set this young man out on the road and it was dark at that time and he had his flashlight. And everyone who came down that road, he was just waving them in. He was just waving them in to the parking place, just waving. He was waving and he was waving them in and waving them in. And all of a sudden, as he's waving this person in, he sees the look on their face. And they're like, what? And he goes over to him and says, can I help you? And they say, well, what's happening? They say, well, what are you doing? Well, you're not here for the party. They go, no, what party? He goes, oh, I'm so sorry. And he moves them on. But here's what I love about that story. Are you ready? He didn't wait to see who was coming. He stood there expecting everyone was coming to his party. Come on, that's what we're doing as a church. Come on, we're not looking and say, who are you? Oh, we don't want you. Hide the light. Come on, off you go. We're waving everyone into this party. Come on, everyone is welcome into this church. Here's a statement for you. I think we are better Christians with church than what we are without church. A lot of people make excuses about church, don't they? I don't have time for it. We live in a very busy time. Busy society, sports, activities, vacations. It used to be that you never even had homework on Wednesday nights because there was church night. Never had any games on Wednesday nights. But now games are on Wednesday nights. Now tournaments are nearly every weekend as kids are in tournament ball and they're traveling all over the country. People say, I don't have time for it. People don't see the need for it. Have you ever heard someone say that? How is it going to benefit my life? I don't see why I need that. Some people don't want to be in church for this reason. Here's their excuse. They don't like what church stands for. And I've got to go on record saying that's our fault, not theirs. That's the church's fault, not theirs. Because I believe the church for too long has been labeled as what we're against instead of what we are for. We've talked so much about what you can't do that people don't want to be a part of it. Where we've got to start talking about the blessings and the freedoms and the liberties and the miracles. Some people see church as irrelevant. They may say to you, well, I've tried it before, but it didn't make a difference. It didn't make a difference. I didn't like it. 
Here's the problem. Are you ready? The problem with most people is this. Most people just go to church instead of realizing they're called to be the church. They just go to church. We hear it all the times. So, well, we go to church. We say that perhaps to people. Well, what do you do on a Sunday? We go to church. That's correct in a way. But to many people, church becomes just a place. It's a building. It's bricks and mortar. It's a destination. And we've got to be careful with that thought because that will create what's called a consumer mindset. A consumer mindset goes like this. Are you ready? What's in it for me? What can I get out of it? How will I benefit through going to church? Where church and real true church is so much more than that. Look at this, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. We talked about this in week one of Loving God, this series, Loving God Much. Today talking about loving His house much. We talked about speaking the love language of God. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Love God. But there's also a second, verse 39. Jesus goes on to say, and the second is just like it. Pastor Pete preached that message last week, just as important as we love others. And God says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40, on these two commands hang all the laws and the prophets. In other words, you do these two things, you're going to fulfill every other requirement. Loving God, loving other people. Here's where the church comes into all that. Because the church is where we give ourselves to God. Come on, it's where we surrender our lives and give our lives to God. But guess what else the church is? That as we give our lives to God, we are also giving ourselves to other people. So church is where we give ourselves to God by giving ourselves to other people. And I love that picture of church. Church isn't just for me. Church is for me to make it possible for someone else. Because I'm the 99 who's saved. God's requiring for me to go after the one. We're creating the environment in here for the one to be saved. Let me ask you a question. Here's the question. What if church really needed you? What if church really needed you? If you grabbed a hold of that, would that change your approach? Would that change your attendance? Would you change your commitment if you really thought the fact that church perhaps needed you? A lot of people think, well, if I go, no one's going to even notice I'm gone. You know, if someone doesn't notice you're gone, there's a problem. Not with the church, but with you. Because you're not connecting with people. You're not involved in your church and you're not participating. Why? Because if you are being involved, not just a consumer mindset, someone's going to notice that you're gone. Come on, you're looking at me strange today. It's the truth. It's the truth. So what if church really needed you? Here's the answer. It does. Church really needs you. And you really need church too. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we see how Paul describes church as a body. He talks about church being a body, that it has many different parts and organs, hands, feet, ears, eyes, etc. He talks about each part being important and indispensable. That means needed, vital, important. Come on, turn to someone around you and say needed. 
Come on, you're needed. You're needed. You need to be here. Every part has a function and a role to play. Paul continues this thought over in Romans chapter 12. And this is where we want to jump in today. Verses 4 through 9. And he says, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with the Christ's body, His church. We are many parts of one body, but we all, and we all belong to each other. In other words, I need you. Come on right now, I need you. We belong together. We need each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things. And how are we to do those certain things? What does He say? Well, well, well. Are you watching? That we are to do certain things well, well, well. Come on, I think this church does things well. We don't do things extravagantly, but we do things to the best we can excellently. We want things to be done well from your experience when you come through these doors to every experience while you're here. We want things to be done well. Why? Because God says he's given us gifts and with those gifts, we've got to use them well. We make his name great through the representation that we bring. And God says, so if I have given you The ability to prophesy, what am I to do? Speak out. And how am I to do it? Timidly, no. With as much faith as God has given you. Verse 7, God says, if your gift is working in e-kids. Can you see that in the Word of God? Creative license, it's right there. If God's gift is for you to work with e-kids, to hold babies, to take care of toddlers, to be engaged and involved with them, then God says, make sure that you use that gift to serve other people. And how does he say we're to serve? Well, well, to the best of our ability. He says, if you're our teacher, what are you to do? Teach what? Well, If your gift is to hold the door open and welcome someone home. Come on now. See that in there? If your gift is to encourage other people, then you better be encouraging. If your gift is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership abilities, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for outreach, it's in there. Do you see it? For being kind and showing kindness to other people. How do you do it? Reluctantly? No, kindly, gladly, full of love and heart. And verse 9, here's the bonus. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. So here's the thought. You really love people by using the gift that you have to create an atmosphere where they can be blessed. You see, it's never been just about going to church. That's what we've made it. God intended church for every one of us to be the church. Listen to this. I I love this statement. God doesn't want us simply just to believe in Him. He wants us to give our lives to Him through His church. I 100% believe that. 110% believe that. God doesn't want me just saved. That's important. And we have to be saved. But God saves me for a purpose. So I can use my talents and gifts to create an atmosphere where other people can be saved too. That I can give my life and my service through his church. And we see evidence of this in the first church. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, we see the first church. And what we see in Acts chapter 2 is this. Are you ready? 
Church wasn't something that people just added to their lives. Church became the center of their lives. It was that which their lives revolved around. And that's the mistake that we have so many times. We try to fit church into our schedule instead of it being the center of our lives and fitting everything else around it. We've got to put the big rocks in first in our lives. If not, we're going to fill up our lives with all the gravel and the junk and the stuff that's really not important and it's not really going to help us. But one of the reasons why they gave their life to church was because back then church wasn't a building. They had the temple, but they didn't have churches like we do today. So it became a community of people who met in houses and homes and all around the area. And they shared a belief and their same faith in Christ. And let me show you that. Acts 2 verse 42 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread, And in prayers, in other words, they continued to have church. They started having church wherever they could. They loved church. They did it in homes. They did it together. They broke bread together. They ate. They prayed. They had such a heart for the house that through their devotion, listen to me, results happened. Through our devotion and giving of our lives to God's church, falling in love with God's house, I'm telling you, results will happen. I said, results will happen. Look what it says in verse 43. It says, and everyone was filled with awe. Come on, there was wonder. There was amazement. Why? Because many wonders and miraculous, that's the thought, signs were performed by the apostles. Great things happened. Why? Because people made a commitment to be together and to be in the church. And not just to be at church, but to be the church. So here's how I want to close this message today. I want want to talk to you from my heart today about the reasons why I love church so much. Is that okay? I want to give you seven reasons why church and I have a passion for his house. Because the results we're going to see in our lives. Through giving our lives to the church, what results happen? We see it in the book of Acts. Results will happen. You give your life to God's house, God will bless your house. That's the promise he gave David. He said, David, you build me a house. I'll build yours. So here's what my top seven things of church. Ready? Church is the place of protection. 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 Notice I said not a place. It's the place. Because A means what? It could be a number of things. Church ain't a number of things to me. Church is the place. Church is the most important to me. And church is the number one place that I'm going to find the protection that I need. Come on, it's a safe place, in other words, for me and my family to come. It's a safe place that I can invest my future into. It's a safe place where I can bring my kids. It's a safe place where I can raise them for their future. Matthew 16, verse 18. I told you I'm passionate about this. Matthew 16, 18, and he said that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. So many people have misscrewed that scripture. They think Peter, the first pope, God built his church upon him. That's where the Catholic thought comes from. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying you are little rock is what he's saying. That's what that word Peter means, little rock, fragments of rock. But he said, I am the rock. Come on, I am the rock. And he says, you take who you are and you build that upon me. And upon that, that's where I'm going to start building my church. Come on, on the revelation of who God is. But notice this. And the gates of hell, Hades, 
hell. Every onslaught of the enemy shall not prevail against what? My church, my church. Come on, that's a protection like none other. Come on, I said that's a protection like no, no other place in the face of this earth promises protection like that. Come on, no insurance company has coverage like that. All state. Come on, all state doesn't have that. Come on, God's house is the greatest protection. Now notice what it says, hell will not prevail against it. It didn't say that there wouldn't be attacks. It didn't say that there wouldn't be oppositions. It didn't say that there would be struggles at times because, my God, there are those. Maybe you're in those right now and you can just say, "Mm." but what does he assure us? Listen to me. Here's what he assures us, that no matter the onslaught, the attack, what's stacked against you, it is not going to prevail against you in the church, in the house of God. Come on, what a protection for my family. That's why Kelly and I have chosen to build our home and our children into it. Why? Because it works. I said it works. It works. It works. Our kids are serving. Hannah was singing today. Luke's doing the lights at the back and he's in nursery next service. Molly's in nursery today and Judah's terrorizing all the people who are working in the nursery. He's doing his job too. Come on, he's keeping them on their toes. Come on, our kids are serving. Why? Because it works, it works, it works, it works. You can look and say, well, one of your kids is away from God right now. But we have showed her the way to come home. Come on, we've showed her the way. We're praying, but we're not worrying in that sense because why? We know that she's going to come home one day. It's just our job. But how sad would it be if she doesn't know where to come home? Come on, we've got to build a place of protection for our families. That's church. Number two, it's the place of joy. Joy is greater than happiness. Do you know that happiness depends on happenings, circumstances and situations? You know what joy is? Joy is an inner strength that no matter what's going on, there's a fortitude that's inside of you. The Bible calls it this, gladness. I like the word gladness because to me that's like a morphed word. It's like joy and thankfulness altogether, gladness. Come on, that's what I think it is. Joy and thankfulness piled together. Psalms 122 verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, let me go to the mall. Let me go to Death Valley. Let me go and see the saints. Man, I love all that stuff, but that's not what the Word of God says. He said, if you want gladness, it's in the house of God. Come on, there's happiness in the house. There's fulfillment in the house. There's inner fortitude in the house. Because you, you don't know what you're going to face this week, but God does. And he's preparing you through that worship today. That word Pastor Pete gave. That encouragement that you heard. Come on, I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. There's a fortitude of joy that's rising up inside of you. Come on, don't be glad for the other things. Be glad of the things that's going to bring fruitfulness to your life. Each week we prepare a celebration. Come on, this is a celebration. You didn't step into a library. You didn't step into a funeral today because God ain't dead. He's alive. And we prepare a place of celebration. It starts at the door. Someone standing at the door with a smile saying, welcome home. Why? Welcome to the party. Come on, everyone's coming to our party. Come on, everyone's coming into here. Our goal is to create an atmosphere of joy. That's why we're energetic. I said, that's why we're energetic. 
That's why we're full of life. That's why we're happy. That's why we're upbeat. Why? Because people are sick and tired of living in a sad world. There's so much sadness and misery out there without us being miserable and depressed. You may say, well, pastor, have you looked around you lately? The Bible says when you see darkness and you see the enemy rising up all around you, lift your head up high because redemption is drawing nigh. God's coming back. So I'm not going to go through life miserable and depressed. I'm not going to go through life bound by fear because the joy of the Lord is my strength, is my strength, is my strength. It's my strength. If you're watching Facebook Live right now, not many notes are going because Miss Miles has her hands in the air praising God in the back. I love it. I love it. Come on. She knows the joy of the Lord is her strength. You know what else joy brings? Hope. People need hope in a hopeless world. Come on. I come to church and I feel the joy of God. Come on. Church is the, the place of faith, which is vital because the Bible says I can't please God without faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Come on, faith is believing in Him, but not just loving Him, being in relationship with Him. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Here's my question. Where do you hear the Word of God? In church. That's where you hear it. Come on, you hear the Word of God in church. So faith comes by hearing where? When you're in church. What a promise. As we hear God's Word, faith grows. Come on, a change takes place in our life. Through hearing His Word, we are changed. It gives us direction. It gives us hope. It works a change in our lives. Through being here and hearing the Word, you'll be a better parent. You'll be a better child. You'll be a better employer, employee, neighbor, friend, person, period. Why? Because God's in the changing business. Faith is necessary for heaven. Who would say faith is necessary for heaven? So faith's necessary for heaven. Come on, listen to me. You listen to me. I need church. To make it to heaven. Because faith comes when I'm hearing the word of God. And I hear it in the house. Come on, faith. The church is not what saves me, but it sure keeps me saved. You know, as a pastor, our role could be regarded really as a shepherd. And what was the shepherd's responsibility? To lead his flock into the pastures. And that's what we do. Every month we have a new pasture that we're leading you into. A new season for your life. We began this year with talking about encountering God in a new way. We took you to those pastures for you to feed on that your life has changed. We've been going through relationships and love and looking at the importance of loving much and how that works in our lives. That's a field that will bring change to our life. And I'm telling you, you need need to be pastored and led in the areas. And that's why we pray about what we're preaching. We don't just pick things out. Next month, we're preaching about minding the gap. How do I deal with the transitions of life? Come on now. How do I get from where I am to where God wants me to be? Because I'm living in a minimal place when God has a bountiful place. Come on, in April, we're going to be talking about love happens here for Easter. Then we're going to be talking about tough questions that need answers. One of those tough questions is this. Why do Christians? suffer? Come on, that's a tough question that needs some answers. In May, we're going to be talking about stolen praise. Come on, we're looking to see what God wants to do in this house and you need to be here. Come on, number four, church is the place of friendships. Come on, it's the place of connections, companionships. I think the best place to find a friend is in the house of God. The best place to be a friend. The Bible says if you want to have friends, you've got to be friendly. Come on, you've got to present yourself too. The phone rings both ways. Text goes both ways. Well, they never text me. Text them. But church is a place to connect. Not good to do life alone. We were never made to do life alone. God created us 
for community. The vision statement of our church is life, love, purpose. That's the vision of our church. Love, we believe, is the link in between. Because life starts through knowing Jesus, purpose then can be revealed when we know that. But there's that connector of love. We've got to find that freedom and we've got to walk in it. And you know where we find the freedom? Through relationship with other people. Through rubbing shoulders with other people and saying, you too, me too. And that's why small groups are so important. We want you to get in a group. It's not for us, it's for you. Trust me. Because testimonies are already coming out of this. Hebrews 10 verse 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. And here's why we don't neglect, because we need to encourage one another. Encourage one another. One translation says, spur each other on. Come on, sometimes you need a kick. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You need just like a little spur in the side just to kind of jolt you on. That's what we're doing, encouraging each other, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Any day now he can return. So I need to be together, the Bible says, with other people. Here's a question for you. Does anyone ever feel strength through coming to church? Anyone ever feel better for just coming here? You just step through the doors and you just, as soon as you step through, some of you, it's just as soon as you turn off Florida and you pull in the parking lot, you're like, oh. But when you step through those doors or sit in the seat, you kind of just go, you just feel that strength from being around other people. You, You don't get that same feeling at the mall. You're not going to get that same feeling at home. Thank God for Facebook Live and Periscope that you can watch the services. But there's something about being around other people, the encouragement that you feel. Come on, in his church, everything happens and you need the right friendships. Why? 1 Corinthians 5.33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. You can think you're the best you want. Get around the wrong people and you're going to be led down the wrong pathway. Plus, there's another scripture, iron sharpeneth iron. But lead will take you to the bottom. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Here's a great quote for you. It's not on the screen, so you need to write it down. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Growing up, the reason why I stayed right, we were mischievous when we were growing up. Don't get me wrong. And we knew you had to have a lot of fun. And we did a lot of crazy things. But the crazy things that we did were never at harm to anyone else. And it wasn't breaking the law. And the reason why I, I, I was lived that life and, and the reason why I stayed the course when I was young was, here's what I believe, because I had the right people around me. Because there was moments of weakness when I wanted to wander off because a lot of my school friends were not Christians. So I was in an environment every day where I had no Christians around me. Thank God for the church friends and everyone I had outside. But what I'm saying is this, I needed to be corrected sometimes by some friends who loved me enough to say, boy, you don't need to be listening to that. You you don't need to be watching that. You don't need to be speaking like that. Listen, don't wait for parents to correct something that as a friend you can correct in their life. Because that's what true friendship is all about, which leads to the next point. Come on, church is the place of correction. Correction. I've got to finish this message. And man, do I need that. And you can say amen to that. I'll let you say that. Uh, I need the correction of God. Here's what correction is to me. You ready? Correction is action with purpose just came to me when I was preparing this message. I wrote that down. Correction is action with, parent, with purpose. What do I mean by that? As a parent, when we discipline our children, we don't do it for us. We don't get satisfaction out of whooping our kids. I mean, kids, listen to us. It's not like we wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to have a great day. I'm going to whip my kids five times and my day is going to be complete. I mean, it doesn't make our days better. Please listen to me. Fussing, just... That doesn't make our days better. 
But why do we discipline them? Because we see their future. So it's an action with a purpose. And that's what correction is. It's an action for a purpose. God has to correct you where you're at. Why? Because God has a purpose for your life. Hebrews 12, 6, For the Lord disciplines those He loves and He punishes each one as He accepts as His child. That word punished there can be rough so many times because maybe we've been wrongly punished. But I'm telling you right now, the discipline and the punishment that God has for our lives is for the purpose to be fulfilled in our lives. Because God's looking and saying, you know what, you're better than that. You're bigger than that. That's not where you need to be. Come on, I'm going to show you. And God's got that gentle hand of correction that wants to correct us and help us. I can't tell you how many times I've been convicted in the house of God. Sitting in church feeling like a dirty dog. Come on, let's be honest. Because you know the way you're living is not right and pleasing God. Now it can happen outside of church, don't get me wrong. But the main place it's always happened to me is when I'm in the house. And that's why I need to be, because I need the correction of God. You know a lot of people don't come to church for that reason. Because they don't like to feel that conviction and correction. They want to keep living like hell, but yet expect the blessings of heaven. It doesn't happen, and it won't happen. Why? Because the Bible says there's two ways. There's a way and the way. A way is man's way, Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is death. It feels right, seems right, it's not right. But then there's the way, John 14, 6. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Look at this statement. It's amazing how you fall away from the truth when you're not in his hands. When you're not in his hands. When there's not a commitment, you're not regularly in the house. Come on, it needs to be a commitment. You need to see church as a lifeline for your life. But not only a lifeline for you, but a lifeline for other people as you give yourself and serve. Come on, you need to be going through growth track. That's the next step. We need you serving in the house. We need so many people. You know, one of the heartaches my my wife has had to go through this week? She's been doing the e-kids nursery schedule. And the heartache she has going through that, trying to find people to help and to be involved in that. Listen right now. This place is quiet. Why? Because someone else is watching your kids. What's, What's it like when we have a family day and your kids are in church? How many really enjoys those days? Come on, most of you look to stay out of those because you're like, man, if I've got to sit with my kids, I'll just sit with them at home. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't be asked. Come on, don't be all holy with me. You know what I'm talking about. How many people maybe feel that and we can create the opportunity for them that God can correct them and change them and help their life? Here's the next one. It's, church is a place of encouragement, similar to joy and gladness. I'm just going to skip down to number seven. Church is a place of salvation and life. I thought I would end on perhaps the most important one. There's still so many reasons that we could discuss because I think church is awesome. But Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus said, Come unto me, all of you, no exceptions, who are weary and heavy, heavy burdens, and I will. All of you, I will. All of you, I will give you rest. Come on, I love that because there's nothing else that brings that promise of salvation and life like the church of God. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Come on, eternal life. God wants to give to us, but you know what else God wants to give us? A little bit of heaven on earth right now. 
And I really believe that comes through his hands. There's something about being in the atmosphere of church that creates a desire for salvation like nothing else. More people are saved in church than anywhere else. Did you know that? More people give their life to Christ in church than anywhere else. I thought about this example. We're rescued by an ambulance. But where does the ambulance take us? To the hospital. To the hospital. The church is the hospital. Come on, we can rescue people out there, but we still need to bring them into the hospital. Amen. God's called us to rescue them, but we've got to bring them into the house. To bring them in to the hospital. Church is the place where broken and weary can come and find rest. It's a heart for the house, our purpose. Why are we doing? Why are we taking up special offerings? Why are you messing with my money? Why are you, what, what, what's the deal? Because we want to create a place, a safe place, a church for other people that others can come and find friendships and encouragement and life and correction and help so they can be given that hope, peace and love that we can give others a chance. Let's bow our heads in this place today.